When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Mick Jenkins is getting restless. Since his 2014 breakout project, The Waters, the Chicago rapper has been channeling the stress and anxiety of being Black in America into waves of jazzy conceptual hip-hop that take time to simmer in the eardrums. The average Mick Jenkins album uses arch concepts like love, as on 2016's The Healing Component, autobiography, as on 2018's Pieces of a Man, and the gradual unveiling of secrets, as on 2021's Elephant in the Room, as springboards for dizzying, meticulous wordplay, the kind that encourages screen-scrubbing rewinds. Things shifted in the aftermath of Elephant. Ready for a change, Jenkins left his longtime label, Cinematic Music Group, and began work on his fourth studio album, Patience. It's his first record without an overt concept or arc, and its 11 songs were narrowed down from a list of dozens he'd created over the last two years. Even with no concrete story, there's a recurring theme. The project explores the various shapes that patients can take, with life, with music, with racism and discrimination, and the frustration that boils over when that patience runs thin. Take a song like Guapanese, where Mick is flabbergasted by rap's fascination with the illusion of money or Pasta, where he addresses fakes and frauds, shouting into the mic so hard it rattles the nervy beat. Jenkins is normally a cool, calm and collected MC, but The Patience is easily his most aggressive and uninhibited project yet. He's carved out a niche for himself over the past decade and has friends in high places. Features for this project include Freddie Gibbs, Benny the Butcher and Jid, but he's tired of waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. The chip on his shoulder has only grown. Ignore Mick Jenkins at your own peril. A few days before the patient's release, Fader contributor Dylan Green spoke to Mick about leaving Cinematic, the true meaning of independence, the state of hip hop in its 50th year, and how the patient defines the next chapter of his career. What was the last thing you did that required a crazy amount of patience? This album. <laughs> I guess the the most recent thing is an argument with my wife. You know, it just requires a lot of patience. And I, I think an argument in general. But, you know, when you're married, patience is probably a tool you're going to want to pull out a lot, <laughs> especially when there's disagreements. So, yeah, I would say that's the most recent thing that I had to be patient through, for sure. In general, do you find that you have more or less patience with, like, everything happening in life? these days <laughs> less less i'm not a patient person at all for real which is why it becomes you know a focus for the album um as far as like the ethos and what i'd want to title it i'm very short i'm not a patient person at all i i'm a problem solver i'm trying to get to the bottom of it so we can fix it i don't like sitting and stuff i don't like letting a thing consume me or consume my team or anything i just let's take care of it so, uh, no, I'm, I've become increasingly less patient with 
the way the world works, especially because these things aren't so isolated, right? The world works systematically, right? So when you watch something happen and you can see this that it's systematic, you begin to get impatient with it before it even happens, right? Because you can see where something is headed. like, And it's just like, oh my gosh, all right, in two weeks, this will be like this. I'm just waiting for it to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, And so I think being so aware of the system, I think, can make you impatient because even at that point, you're now watching it work. You can pinpoint different moments in the process of whatever system you're looking at, and you can predict another occurrence of this thing that is a pattern. You feel me? Like, so yeah, absolutely. I'm very impatient. <laughs> That's where the title came in, right? It's not that while I was making this music, I understood that I was in a season of patience. It was just more so when I looked back after I made the music and was like, what am I going to call this? Um, I just realized that's the space I was coming from. But I think something that ushers that space in is being a problem solver and getting to the point where you can't fix it. Like it's whatever needs to happen next is not within your power. Something else has to happen. Somebody got to say your name in a, in a room. Somebody got to look at the shit you did a year ago and be like, oh, damn, what's this person doing? Somebody got to feel the impact of that most recent thing that you did because it's out in the world now and it might not reach the person you needed to reach for two months. And there's nothing that you can do about that. And I think for people who are, well, what else can I do? when you hit that wall, it does not feel like it's time to be patient. <laughs> There's no alarm that says, oh, just wait, just wait. It's right around the corner. It's like, nah, it feels crazy because you're so used to being in control or being in some level of control or having the ability to affect the outcome. Life will just show you, you can't do that all the time. And in those moments, that's what you need is patience. And so I think there were multiple times where I was hitting that wall over these last two years. And only once the music was done and I was looking back at it, I was like, oh, wow, I needed patience this whole time. It didn't matter what I did. I was going to have to wait on what I needed to wait on. What were you going through? What were you waiting on? I didn't want to be with that with Cinematic anymore. So I think all the trial and error of trying to get out without delivering what I owed, trying to negotiate an exit strategy, realizing that their extra strategy wasn't going to work for me, having to go back and negotiate. You know, just the process of exiting took two years. And mostly because I ended up having to do what I owed anyway. It was just me trying to figure out how to get out without doing that took two years. You feel me? And once I realized I couldn't, and it was like, well, damn, I just had to do it. You know, what I have to do. So then Elephant in a Room gets released as a project that I'm just like, well, as, as long as I like the music, I'm good. I'm not really concerned with doing anything amazing. I just want to like the music. If I don't like the music, then this is going to bite me for the rest of my life every time I hear the name of this album. You feel me? Like, But as long as I like the music, that's enough for me. So I just made the music good enough to be liked. And then I was like, all right, I'm out of here. So that's what I was dealing with, was really just exiting cinematic. Once I understood I was in a situation where the people that I was involved with, the people that I was working for, the people that are working for me, don't have me as a high priority at all. Does that mean you're fully independent now? Are you, are you putting this out through somebody or is this like just you? Yeah, I'm putting this out through RBC, BMG. My perspective about independency has changed. I felt like I was independent already. I was under Cinematic for three years, not taking dollars from Cinematic. You feel me? Like I was doing everything myself. Like I don't know what it is to be signed to a label and have them not help you and do everything yourself. 
like, if that's not independent, I don't know what that is. You know what I'm saying? So in my mind, it's just like, if I was independent, I'd be striking a deal with somebody for some level of money. That's what we doing here. You know what I'm saying? Like we doing deals. It doesn't matter. Is Hove independent? This nigga did deals with Samsung and Sprint. That's not a label. I think you can kind of do whatever. The idea is you need money and it's got to come from somewhere. And if you have your shit aligned with some entity that's willing to give you money because your shit is aligned, boom. You feel me? Are you, you know, I think being signed or independent comes down to how you're operating your business ultimately to me these days, especially because no matter what, we're going to be cutting deals. That's the name of the game. I cutting deals with RBC, Fashion Nova, <laughs> Sprint, whoever, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who it is. It matters how we do the business. You feel me? So <laughs> in my mind, I'm 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 independent. You know, I, everything I'm doing is a, is one project. I signed with RBC BMG for a one-off. But you know, they've been doing great by me. It isn't even just the idea that a label is so bad. It's just how you get business done with who you're working with. But yeah, I, I'm I'm releasing this through them and and we'll see what happens for the future. But They've been great. I've loved this process. This is probably the best rollout that I've felt confident in my whole career. So talk to me about the making of The Patience. Because, of course, like it's been just over two years since Elephant in the Room. and Yeah, as soon as I finished Elephant in the Room, I just I knew that Exit was my next strategy. And so I was like, what's my next project going to be? And I was like, well, I don't want to spend any time while I'm dealing with how to get out of this situation. And coming to the close of this situation, I don't want to spend time doing a heavily conceptual album. That shit is taxing in a certain way that I didn't want to feel. And I was like, well, I'm just going to make shit. And so that's all I did. I just made music. I was just in the studio making a bunch of music. I probably had like 40 or 50 songs. It absolutely got to a point where I I was on the phone with my manager like, I can't. it just doesn't make any sense for me to make more music. If I make more music, I'm just going to make it harder to choose 10 songs for this album. That was when I knew I was done. And once I got to that point, I was like, all right, how do we change how we release the music? We need content. We I don't ever have a lot of content. I don't ever focus on content in my previous releases that support the album and build the world of the album. I was like, boom, that's what, so then we stopped making music and started shooting a bunch of content. Um, Started with like visualizers for every song since we didn't have the budget at the time to do videos for every song. And I was like, well, give people a mini video with the visualizers. Let's do lyric breakdowns for all the songs. Let's do. And it was just became about how do we support this music in every way possible? How do we build up pieces that we hold on to so that once we start the rollout, if we need something else, we can say, oh, we can just take this and, and throw this at them. Oh, we can take this and throw this at them. Let's build up this library of content. So it was those two things that I felt like is the, the freedom in making the music without the constraints that had been on me for the past seven years, the ability and freedom and attention to creating the content to support the music. That's what the journey to the patience had been. Choosing the 10 songs at the end was very hard. I remember sitting with the 19 song playlist for like three months because I just, I, it was hard to keep whittling down. But then uh, I made some new shit that like had to go. Like I made a show and tell was a late tr- track. It was like, well, obviously this has to go. The Vic song was a late track. And I was like, damn, that, that's got to go. Nothing else on the album sounds like that song. It was like, damn, I don't have nothing that sounds like that. We, we got to put that on there too. So when those two songs came along, it became easier to figure out what the whole body would sound like. I could have went in a couple different directions with all the music that I had. Once those two songs came in, it kind of let us know, all right, well, if, if this is here, then this has got to go here. If this is here, then this has got to go here. 
Bad bitch on my arm, and she's no bitch. I smoke my own shit, man. What's it called? Smoke straight from the farm, I'm on my gross oh, shit. Uh huh. This shit from front of table, had to run it up, I never harmed the ankle And a distribution chain so major I could start a label We done got the 93 boys hotter than Carl Gable Sometimes I wish I could take a weekend off, but I'm hardly able Louis Vuitton, liaisons, Pierre Mars, out of reach of the DA's arms And Paris Fashion Week, far preceding you rappers even having I want to say like halfway through my first listen I'm thinking to myself, you're not using your inside voice anymore, bro. Like, you're barking all over this album. Like, this is, like, the most aggressive I've ever heard you rap. You know, like, particularly on stuff like Wapanese and, like, Pasta in particular. Like, you're, like, full-on, like, yelling at the end of Pasta. What inspired that change in vocal delivery? Like, it's it's really, like, nothing I've ever heard from you. It's how I felt. And that's, that's where I try to stress, like, you know, The Patience was a title that was given to the music after the music was made. And it was like a reflection of like, damn, where was I making this music? What should I call this? I had a couple different ideas. It's the frustration. That's what you hear on the project. And I was just like, all right, where is that frustration coming from? It is coming from waiting. Waiting to get out my deal? Yes, but waiting for niggas to take me seriously. Waiting for motherfuckers who acknowledge me behind closed doors to acknowledge me outside. Waiting for niggas to put me on lists that I deserve to be on. Waiting for everything I'm waiting for. Like, I am one of the best rappers, period. Out. Period. I'm fucking nice. Like, anybody you could name rapping right now from my generation. I put myself with goats, too, but from my generation. It's a short fucking list. I don't even give a fuck about fans. I don't give a fuck about music media. Rappers know. I dap them niggas up and they tell me. Like, I'm fucking amazing. Let's be, like, I'm for real. Like, I'm not even saying, like, ooh, toot, toot. I'm just, no, fuck a song. Fuck a song. I am an amazing writer. You want to get into Rap Genius and look at these lyrics and let's, and let's break down a song? Fuck what it sounds like. Fuck the beat. Fuck the views. I'm talking about write. I am an amazing writer. I'm one of the best. And I don't think that that's how I'm looked at. Waiting on what you deserve. That's the frustration that I have. A lot of people don't feel like they get what they deserve, even people in great positions. You know, a lot of people don't feel like people understand the value of their artistry, even when they're successful. It is waiting on all of that because I feel like more than what I truly deserve, I ain't even getting half of what I deserve on some rap shit. I just was talking to my wife. It was like, we got, we're celebrating 50 years of hip hop. And a lot of artists like myself who've been in this joint for 10, 12, 15 years underground the whole time, but could sell over a thousand tickets in any city, don't get to be a part of the celebration. But artists who've been here for six months get to be on stage at the award show. We celebrating 50 years of hip hop, not 50 years of rap, not 50 years of top 40, 50 years of hip hop. How is the underground excluded from that? It's half of it. More than half of it, really. Yeah, it's really more than half of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I don't even, like, I'm not just talking about me. I remember a few years ago when Currency was on Twitter, surprised that he got invited to the BT Awards. He's like, oh, shit, they invited me. Oh, shit. It's like, yeah, why the fuck? Why? What? And so I think it's that frustration. It is the waiting for those things. 
it is waiting to put out an album and have features with my contemporaries. Like I'm here. It's only so many times you can create your own space before you're like, does anyone else care about this? We can all talk about like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what they think, but like, we all care. It matters. It does. As a matter of fact, I talk about that all the time. I'm like, art is what people think. It's all subjective. Like, it's only what people think. You can't not care about what people think if you're putting your art out into the world to be received unless you're not engaging with the reception. You feel me? If I put this shit out and go back in my house, close the doors and don't look at it, okay, cool. I've done that successfully. But, you know, a lot of other questions come up <laughs> with, with that person too, though. But, you know, you, you that's what you get. You immediately receive opinion as soon as you put your art in the world. So it's just like, yeah, you can't say it doesn't matter. You can make it matter as, you know, the smallest percentage possible to you, to the creation, but it doesn't matter. Nah, it's all opinion. That's what we're, you know what I'm saying? And so I think as as far as we're on that, this is something that I haven't even really thought about or been angry about or or upset about. I'm I'm noticing it this year because I'm just like, damn, we're in the 50th year of hip hop and we're celebrating hip hop. And look at how many people aren't a part of the celebration that are so instrumental to hip hop. Like even that, it's like, it don't have to be me. Even the idea of the underground, just whatever you call it, but the idea of the underground is essential to hip hop, not mentioned at all not brought up as a topic or a subject or an aspect of hip hop at all from what I've seen in 2023 so far. And we've had three award shows already where this has been a focus. We've had multiple concerts where celebrating this has been a focus. <laughs> Look, I, talk, I I make a lot of basketball metaphors. It's like you get your pension 10 years in the league. You're locked in. 10 years, you got a pension. A lot of niggas made nine, didn't get that 10th year in their contract. That shit fucking sucks. I've been in this shit 10 years. Niggas don't be in this shit five years. The niggas we know, the ones that come and go, niggas gonna be mad. Your fatty, your fatty wops, your the babies, your sexy reds, your, your, they, they coming and going. They, they in and out all the time. Did we get three albums from Fatty Wop? Are we getting three albums from the baby? Four, five? No, we're not. I be telling my, my contemporaries all the time, it's like our value is the fact that we here still. Slowly growing, still. Bigger rooms every tour, still. 12 years later, 10 years later. You can't tell me that that's not valuable in this culture. You can't tell me that that doesn't deserve to be celebrated the same way in this culture. But that's what this culture tells me all the time. Nah, the frustration that comes with sitting in that spot and then slowly watch, watching some of the doors open, it's just like, nah, you want to scream about what's happening. That's where Guapanese come from. Hey, all these niggas ever really talk about his money. I think all these niggas got to talk about his money. His man's locked up, he can't bond him out, it's funny. God forbid they chalk him out and find out it's no money. It's a stack of ones just like them and they hide behind the 20. Come outside, ain't nobody finna jump you. Gave us conclusions we didn't even have to jump to. I know that could just stop, but somebody else punked you. Manufactured beef, you can't get this from no butcher shop. All my cash cows grass fed, you can smell it when I come through. Same conversations like, why am I in conversations with these niggas? 
we don't do the same thing. No, for real. Why? Like, even like same thing. Why is certain people in a category with a, another person at a war show? They don't do the same thing. Why would YB, young boy, be in the same category as me or Tyler, the creator, in a best rap album? It's like polarizingly different what we do. They shouldn't be compared. If you start having an argument about Youngboy or Tyler on the internet, there's going to be an overwhelming perception. It's like, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> we shouldn't be comparing these two people. Yeah, like, why are we doing this? But that this is where we get to exist. I got to go up just even to be recognized, right? I got, I'm in a category, a group of people that I shouldn't be getting compared to. Those are not my counterparts. Those are not my contemporaries. This is a conversation that's like into the genres of hip hop and rap, right? I've talked about this a lot. It's just like the idea that maybe we might want some, but then how difficult it is to try to box, to create a new genre is essentially a new box, right? Like, so it's just difficult. Like to, tr it's there's the dichotomy of wanting, but not wanting that. Understanding that there's a reason why one would desire that, but at the same time, the inception of it requires you to do what's already being done to artists to constrain them. I was thinking about this like I was Playboy Cardi. If you were to go up for like best rap album and Playboy Cardi had a good album this year, Playboy Cardi would be in the same category as Mick Jenkins for best rap album of the year. And it's just like, why are we comparing these two things? They are they are very different. You feel me? Like these people don't do the same thing. Like, And all I'm saying that to say, all I brought that up to say is, as an artist trying to navigate and go up through a sphere that has you working in competition with people that you like, we don't even, we're not in the same realm. You feel me? It's like, it's like pickleball and, and ping pong and tennis. These are not the same thing. Like they're not like, they're not the same thing. Like I understand why somebody would, would group them together, but it's just like, these are not the same thing. They all come from the same space. They're not the same thing. And I think, there's a lack of focus on that when you start talking about artists of my caliber, right? That are like, we're not mainstream. Some people might call us unground, but I know people come to me and be like, oh, you're a huge artist. And I'm just like, you think so? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> I judge huge artists largely by ticket sales. I can't just sell out 1500 in any city. I could easily sell out 750 if with enough promotion, I could sell a thousand, I'm not selling 1500 in every city. And that's how I gauge the size of an artist for myself. Social media, all of that shit can eschew what's actually, who's actually going to show up for you. Like that's how I've clocked my own growth over the years. I understand when people are bigger than me as well. It's like, I know what we just tried to do on that last tour. <laughs> I know what we couldn't do. And then I go see this person's tour and see a couple of cities and I'm just like, or or go look at, because you can go look at how they're selling. And it's just like, okay, damn, this motherfucker's doing 3,000 in every city. I didn't know he was getting down like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that'll let you know what a motherfucker fan base, and contrary, it'll let you know who's not. I didn't see artists who, who are bigger than me. Can't sell what I could sell. You not bringing bodies out to the concert. You feel me? Like that shit is fake. It's not real. Like you, things aren't showing up for you. Like that shit's not real. You feel me? Like so. That's how I judge big or small artists. Like how many people are showing up. 
your music's very intimate, even if you're just kind of screaming into the void, which I don't think you do very much anyway. Like even even if that were the case, you want to connect with people. Guapanese is very much about like a frustration about why am I here? Why are we talking about these people who are talking about things that I don't talk about? But like there's a connection, you know, like lines like uh, you said, uh, it's a stack of ones just like them and they hide behind the 20, like talking about like jail time and shit. Like that's like a real lived experience, like a real thing that people do that like you're talking about that bar is more like the wide it's a stack of ones just like them and they hide behind the 20 and i'm like yeah i don't know if you've ever done that you 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 got 21 dollars and then you put a 20 on the outside now you look like you got some shit you feel me and it's just like that's where that that line is more about this idea of like not only like are you niggas all the same but you all the same to be like this one guy, you feel me? Like, that's where we all hiding behind the 20. It's just like, just to be like this nigga who ain't even got it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, like, right, right. You should be trying to be like the $100 bill. You feel me? Like in the, in the metaphor, but like, yeah, man, I think that's really what, where that song comes from. It's like, all right, I look at the industry and I look at what I got to fight through to get to the next level. And it's a bunch of niggas talking about money. Okay, cool. No, hey, why do I gotta go through that? I don't do that's I don't do nothing like that in any way, shape, or form. Like, why do I gotta be compared to that? You feel me? Like, that's what they do. I do this just like a bunch of other people. Like, why do we have to go through that? I'm of the idea that they're making a completely different type of music. That's what I believe. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of the old heads' problem is. It's like, yeah. Like, they have a problem with what folks are calling hip-hop these days. They don't like that because they don't think that's what it is. And I think that's what I mean when we go and like, yes, you don't want to be put in a box, but niggas will throw alternative this on any other genre. Niggas will toss a name quickly on, oh, it's like a, it's like a fusion this, da 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 Boom. Slap it on a playlist on fucking iTunes. And now you got... Fusion, indie, blah, 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 blah. Niggas don't do that for rap at all. Niggas don't try to. It's just all, just lump it all together. And it's just like, no, I'm not trying to, I don't desire for there to be 30 new rap boxes, right? I don't. But I also don't desire to be in a box I don't belong in at all. To kind of bring this conversation home, there's two more things I want to touch on. First, the features. You got Jid, you got Benny, you got Gibbs, and you got Vic Mensa. Jid, Benny, and Gibbs are like very big, huge names. There's a lot of intention behind what they do, but they also rap a lot about money. That puts you in an interesting position to be sharing space with these bigger names. Like, that's just cool to me to see that, you know? Like, especially since you said that. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that fans recognize. Some with all the context, some with just a little bit of context. When you're watching an artist ascend, them fraternizing and creating with other well-known artists is an indicator that they're accepted. It's an indicator that they are on the rise, like it feels and looks like. It's an indicator that they are of a certain, le- they've reached a certain level. I don't think that's so conscious for everyone, but I think everyone reacts accordingly most of the time when, when the artists are on their way up. For example, because an artist who's just rapidly on the rise right now, when you see sexy red in photos with Drake is with his arm around her. You say, oh, wow, 
The stars are fucking with her. That's crazy. That's big. That's Drake. That's da-da-da. it's a stamp. You feel me? Like when you see Travis Scott bring her out on one of on, you know on on stage and let her go crazy. It's just like okay, this is like when you see these types of endorsements. That's what the cosign is. You feel me? Like and so I think more than those things, which are just uh, moments of interaction, the creation of the art with you is a stamp, right? And I just. I've never had that. I, my fans have never seen that with me and anybody else. And I think people don't understand how features work. Fans are like, why don't you just work with this person? <laughs> it's just like, even if you got the time and the desire, sometimes you just can't link up. You feel me? Sometimes our schedules don't link, even when we both want to work with each other. So it felt good for me, you know, and all of these things happen naturally. I know people are going to talk about the Benny and the Gibbs, but it's just like, man, I was hitting Gibbs for months. The DMs on Twitter look crazy. I be telling people I look like a thought. I'm just DMing this nigga like, yo, what's good, bro? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Because we met in person multiple times. So I know he fucked with me, but I'm just like, yo, like, I don't know how to get in contact with you if I don't got no other contact. So I guess he wasn't seeing them bitches. Finally out, bro, out the blue, like 2 a.m. He was like, yo, send that shit. I'm just like, oh, who the fuck is this? This is this Gibbs, nigga. I'm like, oh, damn. I forgot I put my number in your DM, so that's how you already bet. You gon' have to show me, nigga, can't just tell me shit. Too much talking, and you sounding like you selling shit. You gon' have to show me, nigga, you gon' have to. You gon' have to. You gon' have to. I'ma have to show these niggas I can't tell them shit. Bought a semi-truck, fuck a penny, y'all was sick of metal shit. Sell the shit, vice lord, all with shit. Every bitch a nigga fuck, wanna have my baby, I should go sell a bitch. Nigga fuck that, cause I pre coats by the bundle. One a couple level, got a couple Cali bitches like my Pally bitches in my blood. Bitches in the jungle, yeah, nigga rapping, I ain't in the rap game. Cause the rap shit'll take you wonder, put you in the dirt, and then they throw the flowers on you when you're dead. Laying in the gutter, gotta bring it back, baby. I want spitters on, on my on this album, you feel me? Like, I want to rap next to them, and I want to prove that I can rap with them or better than them. I love Jid. Me and Jid send songs back and forth to each other all the time. Like, nah, 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 look at, listen to this one. Oh, that was, nah, listen to this. You know what I'm saying? So it was nice to get on a record with them and not do that, you feel me? And just worry about the composition of the song. I, I, I saw somebody say that in the YouTube comment, like, damn, I thought they were going to go at it. It's just like, nah, we just... We just made a good song. You know what I'm saying? Having these level of people on the album, I think, like you said, is a stamp. And it definitely is for me. Like I said, being able to rap with and next to people that I feel are some of the best rappers in the game is like, finally, you feel me? Like, I know niggas seen me like that. Let's make some fucking music. You feel me? That's what that shit feels like, you know? And I hope that that shit continues. Juice like fresh OJ is the tangy that I stay with. Soon as they hit it, I keep rolling up. We blow it down, we blowing up. Hot air, Emmy, we going up. Still is no feet going up, fees going up. We pulling up, we throwing up gang signs. And I keep rolling up. And I keep rolling up. I rolled this one for the road, two for the show, three for the dough, three forty-five. Got a fifty-piece from the wing spot. Obviously, you're from Chicago. Um, you rep it very heavy. Between you and No Names, Sundial just came out. Saba put out his project last year. Y'all are putting out these very like soul-bearing, honest albums. That happening for the three of y'all within the course of a year is notable. 
to me. I don't think like they're all linked because Chicago or whatever, but like it's just it's just notable to me that three people from Chicago who kind of came up together in a similar scene are all making music like this right now. Nah, but I think it's a Chicago thing. I think when you look back at our artists, that's what they've always done. Chance, you know, even Chief Keef and Dirk is us. We don't have no problem being ourselves to motherfuckers at all. I think that's a very Chicago thing. And that's what you get in the music. Yay, Lupe, Common. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I think one thing that is very clear with Chicago rap is niggas are going to be themselves. And you are going to hear it in the music. Because what else would I be talking about besides me? No matter what the music sounds like, I go down the line of Chicago artists and I'm just like, there's a great deal of introspection on all these people's albums. And I think that's something that I know is true to the Chicago culture is like, I'm going to be me, so what? I think that's a Chicago attitude, like, for sure. Y'all are willing to talk your shit no matter what that means, because it, it means different things for different people. And I think that's what makes y'all's city really uh, unique and compelling as a culture and what makes you unique and compelling as an artist. You've never shied away from being honest. You've never shied away from being like, I like to make this kind of rap. You've always been very uncompromising in that way. Like even when you even when you move over to stuff that sounds slightly different, it's still you in there. It's a hard balance to maintain. I don't think it is. If you ever feel yourself trying to balance, I think that's the problem. Just do it. Like it's you. Just rap. I'm really happy. I, I'm a to my own horn for a second. I had a joint on Disclosure's album up for a Grammy and a joint on Catra's album up for a Grammy. And neither one of those songs sounds like what people know that I do. You feel me? And I don't care. Like, I like that shit too. I grew up on house too. You feel me? Like, I don't, that's a part of who I am also. And I just lean into it with confidence knowing that that's what I am. I don't care what it sounds like to people. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's where it then sounds authentic. Cause you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it'd be, I, I can understand it conceptually, but because I've never actually felt like that, it'd just be like, yeah, I don't even understand why somebody would have to balance that. Like, you just, just be. That was Mick Jenkins talking to Fader contributor Dylan Green. Mick's new album, The Patience, drops this Friday, August 18th, via RBC Records. The Fader interview is engineered by Tony Giambroni. The executive producer is Alex Robert Ross, and the associate producer is Raphael Helfer. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate if you left a five-star rating and review. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essence. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Fader Interview. Goodbye until then.